you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why? You know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. After an extra chaotic off-field week in footy, there'll be plenty of people from AFL House in need of a stiff drink and a decent feed. And the best place to do that, and barrack without consequence, is the Yorkshire Hotel. Great food, fresh drinks, and great service. It's on the corner of Langridge and Punt in Abbotsford, and it's the best place to relax after a stressful working week. All right, let's get straight into it. It's been a messy week in football, and as such, I need someone to help me unpack it all. Baz... How are you travelling after the biggest non-footy bye week in our memorable history? He's falling apart of it, isn't it? I yep. think uh, Hawthorne would be sitting back. It's been like, how good's this? Thank you very much, Collingwood Football Club and Stephenson. To say I'm shocked about how, um, not dumb, but silly, uh, idiotic. We all make mistakes in life. Hopefully he learns from him. Hopefully he can earn back his teammates' trust and the club's trust and mm-hmm. respect. Respectably, the biggest one, and obviously trust. I've mentioned it three times now, so it's big. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I can't believe with all the they do. So every, I think if you joined the Education. AFL as a draftee this off season, yeah, you have had we'd have had four uh, sessions on it already about what you can and can't do in all facets, but especially when it comes to integrity of the game. They all do media training, they all do this stuff. They do so many sessions Mm -hmm. about educating them what they can do with women and full across the board. And for this to happen, and he's so naive about it, I suppose, it's quite concerning that you just didn't understand the consequences. And it's baffling, I suppose. There are people out there who are still a bit green behind the ears. You think they're playing... AFL football, they're mature, grown men. Hmm. But to be fair, he's a kid, he's 20, and he's probably grown up pretty well looked after, or I don't know, I mean, I probably shouldn't... Um, but no, it's like, it's highly likely that he had parents, and he's, he's just moved out of home, and... Yeah, big grand like yeah. behind yeah. his, doesn't understand consequences, and, you know, to be honest, I, I see it quite a bit with young lads these days that probably get it pretty easy, and they don't really understand life, and all of a sudden they get to 2021, 20, move out in a big world, 20, hmm. even a bit older, and have full-time jobs and stuff and learn how learn, make mistakes to learn hmm. and that's probably what Jaden's done now so um hopefully not mistakes as big as this no this is a no. pretty big one but yeah well at the end of the day it could cost Colin a football club a top four position yeah uh, it could cost us a flag mm-hmm. yeah we're in a pretty good spot right now and this sort of turmoil can go one or two ways with the football club and I suppose we'll get into our uh our preview for the Collingwood Western Bulls game, but it kind of has me wondering whether we're going to be okay in the long run or whether this isn't a hearse. We've got some big games coming up. Uh, yeah, it's just... Not what you need. No, it's not, it's not what you need, but it can be. It could also be, you know, bring the group together a bit more. But hmm. I, I think if you look at both uh, options or, or ways it could go, I, I'm more leaning towards the... We could be in for a rough couple of weeks until we get everything back together. But then I go back to because I go back to when Shorey and Swanee and that got in trouble, and I'm thinking, well, we didn't do anything in those years, so yeah, it could be could be back to that. Yeah, I think if there's a bloke that can rally the troops, though, it's is Bucks. He's especially modern day Bucks, maybe old school Bucks. If Bucks was captain, I think maybe 
there'll be there'd be a split in the group between the the straight the straight edge and the rebel or yep. the rat pack. Yep. Uh, but now that he's a bit more modern man and a bit more emotions and a bit more come here and give us a cuddle, and he's obviously got other people around him that can give the people can give the people the whack and they deserve it. Yeah. I think he'll be quite good at making sure that everyone's still on task and on board. Because yeah, at the end of the day, it, hopefully it's just Stevenson that misses out, not the whole club on what should be a pretty good end of year for you guys. And considering what some of the other players do, like social media wise and socially and stuff like that, he's probably the last person they would have been worried about. And for him to come out like this, you know, obviously we've had the goeys problems and stuff like that, but he's slowly getting himself together as well. Like, yeah, it's just, it's bewildering that this has happened. But it's been spoken about enough yes. on radio and so has uh, the whole fans and the Yeah, I was about to security. say, so that, that leads me in to our segment, Baz and the Blower. You used to call me on my cell phone Day night when you need my love now you just mentioned there, mate. The sky is falling. The footy world is ending. The fun police are out. The outright merchants are popping up, and the old white men in suits are ruining it for everyone. When players aren't pinching triceps or pinching pennies, they are high fiving their opponents, and it's all about to end. Baz, footy's about to implode, and so before it does, and the apocalypse takes us all, is there anything you want to get off your chest before there's no footy left to talk about? Not really. I... I'm kind of over it all. Hmm. We're we're becoming very negative in the media. I've spoken about this a lot, Hmm. becoming very negative in the media. It's getting worse. It's always, yeah, half empty, not half full. Oh, no, completely empty. Yeah. It's It's not even half-half now. It's just like, it is the worst. This is the worst. We're getting treated the worst. This is the worst game. That's the worst team. He's the worst coach. But the problem is, Gil and the AFL... Uh, board and who's running the game they haven't really been strong and come out and gone look stop talking shit this is how it actually is mm. like even Gil's press conference yesterday was pretty weak in yeah. my opinion he, lots of holes in his and just neutral comments. just very neutral and just very unengaging he didn't he didn't take it on he didn't own anything he pretty much just said like look we're, we're doing our investigations and if something's there to be done we'll do it but we won't tell you what it is we won't tell you what we're going to do there's no clear action plan there's nothing and he could have just said, nah, actually, there is no problem. And here's all the facts. Yeah. Or he could have said, no, there is a massive problem. Here's the plan. Yeah. Instead, he said, nah. Yeah, it was... And I, I listened to SEN yesterday when it was on, and he didn't, he didn't make himself any friends, let's put it no, that way. definitely. Uh, he probably made the situation worse. But I'm going to get on the blow about one thing, and I reckon it was about four weeks ago, maybe five weeks ago, I said Fremantle could not win the flag this year with Rory Lobb as their ruckman. Mm-hmm. And I pleaded for him to pick Sean Darcy. He didn't. Lobb went down with an injury. Picked Sean Darcy. Who was the match winner in the... Uh, in the, Obviously, Michael Walters and Hill, yeah, yeah. Hill and stuff. But who was the one that was doing the hard work, beating pro- two of the probably top five or six ruckmen in the comp? Mm. Sean Darcy. Yeah. Absolutely smashed him in that last quarter. I don't reckon if Rory Lobb was playing, he would have done the same thing. And that's no disrespect to him. He's a, I reckon he's a forward... He can pinch hit in the ruck. He's not a full-time ruckman. And the fact that he played Sean Darcy and he did that job, hopefully Ross sticks with him. Because he is... There's rumours as well them going about after Tim English from Western Bulldogs because they want a generational ruckman. I'm sorry, but I reckon you've got one there. And he's a mummy sort of a type, Shane Mumford, and we see what Shane Mumford can do. Stick with him and, you know, I reckon he's going to be 
one of the elite ruckmen in the next few years. And I've said this before, and I just wanted to go over it again because yeah. I watched him in the last quarter after backing Fremantle. They quietly get the 24 and a half points, but they did win and cover the line for us. And I was really impressed by Sean Darcy. So there's some positivity, and he's, he's being spoken about, as well as Michael Walters and how good he was. And Eddie Betts and Stuck, that was amazing as well. Uh, there's lots of positives and good things that come out of the weekend. We should be speaking about them. Monday's experts always know what's best, always tell you what you should have done. Monday's experts always know what's cooking, how the game was lost, and how it could have been won. What we also should be speaking about is footy, and so for the third time, we're going to go for the mid season checkup on the teams, and a couple of very interesting ones here, and spreads across the whole ladder as it stands at the moment. The first team, of course, is Carlton. They are 18th. They have two wins, 11 losses, and a percentage of 79%, which is not the worst in the league. Uh, we took them all to go under, including the model, and under they will probably go. They need 6.5 to break even, and uh, they probably won't get there in my humble opinion. So the big question here is, A, their uh, turnaround since sacking Brendan Bolton has suggested that this list isn't as bad as people suggested it could have been. And so... Did they underperform in the first half of the season? And B, what's a pass mark for Carlton in the in the last nine games of the year? I think what it's shown, and this is probably sound really really harsh, but we have spoken about this before as well, is that Bolton probably wasn't a great coach, or he didn't probably have enough senior people around him to talk him out of how he wanted to play. Because what we're seeing now is we're seeing Charlie Kerno play a lot closer to goal, and it's paying rewards. We're seeing Harry McKay that that long kick. You know, down the line, it's, you know, but Senar Ford, contested mark. We're seeing Ed Kerno uh, go back into the midfield and tag someone. We're seeing Murphy go back into the midfield and play where, play where he plays his best footy. We're seeing him play a bit more freely, and that's shown in the last two games. That I think their tackle numbers are slightly down, and they're, they're, the game on the weekend against the Dogs was an open style. They only laid up like, some like 50 odd tackles, which is a bit of concern, and I'll get into that in a second. But I think they've they're just playing a lot more open footy and hmm. getting their players in the right spots and, and letting them do their job. And I think uh, they showed the heat map for Charlie Kerno on, on the couch on Monday night where he, he's pretty much on the wings and half back when it was under Bolton f- for the start of the year where under Teague, hmm. he's been predominantly a Ford 50 player, the, the deepest player, a bit like a Degoli for Collingwood generally stays pretty deep or Steverson. And he's, you know, he kicks seven on the weekend. But... For me, I think that shows that Teague was a four-line coach and probably wanted that, but wasn't able to have it because Bolton had his system, had his style, and now Teague's in charge. He's been able to open it up a bit and yep. free it up. But my biggest problem for them is the last four years, their second half of the seasons have been really, really poor because they've got a young list. Their list is still really young, and we saw that when Bolton's last game was the youngest and most experienced they had. Um, their last two games have been quite open and They've lacked that pressure, that intensity. They haven't laid a lot of tackles. I like to see what their pressure index is like. It'll probably be on the lower end. And that, for me, that's a big worry because when they come up against good teams, and I think they've still got some tough games, they're gonna they're gonna find it pretty hard. And that's when we see them butcher the footy. And we saw it early in the year, and a lot of their losses where they can turn the footy over a lot. And that's where I think that yeah, they're they're in a bit of strife. They might win one or two more games, but I can see you know. At the back end of the year, they could probably fall in a bit of a hole as well. 
Yeah, so look at their, their games after the bye. The ones that are really concerning, they've got Dockers away, which now the Dockers are legit top eight side, that's quite concerning. They've got Sydney away, Adelaide at the G, West Coast at Marvel, Richmond at the G, and they play their last game of the year at the Graveyard, Cadinia Park. Yeah, so I think they play St Kilda and Melbourne and, mm-hmm. and Gold Coast, which are... Three winnable-ish winnable-ish games. Winnable-ish games where you go, okay, they're a chance, but I reckon one of those is a win, and that's probably maybe Gold Coast because it's at home. Mm-hmm. St Kilda will probably be fighting tooth and nail to be winning because they're, they're going to get some players back at the end of the year, which we're going to see this week. And um, Melbourne, surely they can turn it around a little bit. And well, they sh- surely they don't lose to Carlton. Correct. So I can't see them getting more than four wins. And that, and again, that continues on with their second half record where I think in the last three or four years, they've only won one game or maybe two games after the bye. So... It's a pretty poor record for them, and I think it's going to continue. And someone was saying that they're tracking similar to Brisbane um, of last year. I think that's a big statement. I reckon their percentage would be about the same as it was last year at this point. The percentage is the same, but their scoring is up. And so, if you base the win percentage on uh, just scoring profiles, so your shots created and the where those shots come from, they've actually lost two more games than they probably should have based on that model. So they're playing better. They're playing better forward 40, but as you mentioned there, they pick and choose the games when they provide a, a four-quarter effort when it comes to pressure on the ball carrier. But if they're scoring more and their percentage about the same, it means yeah, they're, they're getting scored, scored against, against yeah. a lot more. So yeah. that's also a bit of a problem. They're moving away from their from their foundation. So they kind of did set, as much as it was very dour and stoic football, they did set their defensive foundation during Bolton's period. And they kind of went away from that when they when he kind of like lost the group and now they're definitely going away with it now that Teagues is saying let's play and let's enjoy ourselves but yeah they don't have enough players they just have that in their in their brand for yeah. lack of a better word to really punch in around the around the contest and prevent getting scored against heavily so until they can fix that you can't really progress and, and Brisbane does that and they have their problems but yeah there's, it's, that's a pretty uh, iffy comparison in my opinion speaking of progressions Gold Coast are our next team they're 17th Three wins, ten losses at 71.9%, which is less than Carlton's and the lowest in the competition. So my big question here is, are the Suns actually progressing? Their over-under for the year is three and a half. So they've done better than what the bookies expected. But are they doing as well as what we would expect to see them progress to? The best thing about Gold Coast at the moment is you know what you're going to get. They're going to get a crack. Yeah, they've had one or two blowouts, but... At least you know what you're going to get. Is with Carlton, you just don't know. Yeah. With Gold Coast, you can pretty much predict. The only problem with Gold Coast moment is they really struggle to score. They, they lack that forward power. And they're obviously losing Lynch, and they've got a few injuries to a few key players that would definitely play there. But their midfield is not too bad. They've got a young, evolving midfield. Their back line standing up, and again, young, evolving back line. They're, I reckon you can see their game style. You can see what, what Dewey wants to do. And I reckon... That's why I reckon they're almost in a better position than Carlton at the moment because we've got a whole season of what Gold Coast have produced and we know what they're about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they might only be in a game for a half or three quarters and they finally get blown out because they're young and not fit in their smaller bodies. But I, I, I can sit down and confidently tip against Gold Coast most weeks, but I know it's going to be generally a close game because the effort they put in, especially up there, like they're playing some decent hard yeah. football up at, at their home ground. We saw it against North Melbourne. Yeah, they didn't win, but we saw it against Secure on the weekend. They, they should have won that game. They're one class player or one player yeah, one stepping up. Yeah, one match breaker, yeah. 
set out and probably a key forward. So that's I reckon that's something they'll be looking at this year in the draft. I think they're probably another couple of years away. They're probably a year or so behind Carlton, but you can also see how quickly it can turn around as well. And so I reckon Stuart Dew and the coaching staff have got them playing a style they want to play long term. It's very Sydney-like, and we're about to talk about I think, uh, North Melbourne's another team, which we're about to talk about. We've gone to that Sydney style of football, hard at it, hmm. making a real contest, putting lots of pressure on. And once they get better at it and they get a few more, you know, get used to the tempo and everything, like, like I said, the young and experienced players, I think they're going to be in a good spot. And they'll definitely get one more win, I reckon, to go overs, which I picked and you didn't. Yeah, correct. I, I had no faith in the Suns and, uh, and yeah, they've proven me wrong. They've proven most people wrong. They haven't been absolute, you know, groundbreakers or anything like that. But they're they're showing enough to suggest they will not be laughing stock forever. Yeah. Whether or not the AFL and the club can fix everything else that's not involved with the twenty two players on the field at any one time, uh, is a totally different story uh, for a totally different time. All right. So we've mentioned Sydney alumni, and uh, now an interim coach who's also a Sydney alum is uh, currently at the head of this club, North Melbourne, thirteenth. Five wins, eight losses, and 92.6%. Their break-even for the year is 10.5. We took the unders. The model took the overs. They're on five wins. They've got nine games left. They're an 8% chance of making the top eight. Can they do it? No. Freestyling with new funky reshore football? No. Look, I watched them play against Joey West, and they threw everything they had at Joey West, and they just lacked that bit of outside. Yeah. Talent uh, the week before they, they show what they could do. They're going to be a hard team to play against again, a bit like Gold Coast. You never know for the rest of the year now that they're going to be a really hard football team. They want to make it contested footy, make it sort of a bit dour, defensive type. My biggest question for that is they've got a lot of young players running mm. around out there at the moment, and they got some. Like you saw it in the weekend, like Taron Thomas, you know, he's getting his ten or twelve touches a game. Uh, Unieki. Zaha, those sorts of blokes. Larky's not getting much of it now either. Like, he's dropped off a bit. With this style of football, all these blokes haven't played a lot of AFL football. Can they maintain that over a long period? Hmm. And something we talk about a lot with, yeah, these heavily contested teams is that you take the knocks and they're not used to playing at 70%. Yeah. And so when when you're playing, well, yeah, NAB League footy, whatever it's called now, the old TAC Cup, yeah, the knocks went as hard. It's body. It's equal body versus equal body, and you get to the end of the year, and you're still at like at least ninety percent. Whereas here, you're halfway through the year, and half the teams are already cooked body wise. Yeah. And it's just that it's the mid career to veterans that know that nope, this is how I'm going to feel, and I'm going to have to get myself up from 75 percent to eighty percent, and then eventually seventy to seventy five, and you'll be rolling into the finals, being like, I can't wait for that bye week because I'm knackered. Yeah. And the youngsters aren't used to that. We saw even in that probably in the last quarter and a half where they sort of started to tire a bit and GWS started to get it more on the outside and they cut them right open. Mm. And and to be honest, GWS should have probably won by more. And it was a good fight by North. They kicked those last two or three goals in that last like minute and a half, two minutes. And it, it, you just know they're going to be competitive and they're a bit more stringent, I suppose. And like, you know, they want to bring a tough game. They want to bring a bit of a scruff and, you know, there's lots of push and shoves against Joe yeah. and that They're going to bring that every week, I reckon. And they're going to be a dangerous side to play against. They've got, what, Collingwood, Essendon, Brisbane, which is uh, West Coast, Hawthorne, Geelong, Port Adelaide and Melbourne left. And I reckon, oh, St Kilda as well. So they're probably, they're, are, they might knock us off at Marvel. They might knock St Kilda off. They might knock Essendon off. So there's three wins. You won't beat Brisbane at home. You won't beat West Coast at home. At the moment, Hawthorne are pretty average. You won't beat Geelong at Cardinia. 
Port's 50-50, and Melbourne, well, anyone, who knows where Melbourne are at. So they could get another five wins mm. out of the, the last... Um, Which would push them into the eight. Ten, Maybe. Ten wins won't get you in the eight. Depending on the crapshoot, but yeah. Uh, ten wins won't get you yeah. in the eight. But uh, yeah, it, it shows how far they've come from. And there was a stat I saw about um, about Scott and Hinkley. So Hinkley obviously hasn't been under a, a lot of pressure yet with Port because of the way he drafted last year. But Chris Scott had actually less uh, scoreless quarters in his time at North Melbourne than what Ken Hinkley has mm-hmm. this season. Because Ken Hinkley's already had, was it three or four scoreless quarters this year? Uh, and, you know, North had that like, four, three times or two times in Scott's career as mm. their coach. So it just shows how the media can sometimes play it up. And yeah, how, well, I think, yeah. How the back room as well, the boardroom and the club greats who can have a say at the club can uh, can change people's views. I also think his exit was a bit different to most other coaches. I don't... I, he wasn't. He was kind of fired, but I think he also wanted out as well. Yeah, it was knowing that. No, again, no, m- mutual, mutual risk. Probably twenty five percent Brad, seventy five percent the club. Yeah, but yeah, there's. I don't think anyone leaves that tenure and says he was a bad coach. No, they probably just leave that tenure and say his time was done. They just need to refresh. Yeah, they've been doing it for ten years. I and, think he cops a bit of a bad. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For what he did there and. And the list that they have. Yeah. And obviously now like we're seeing them play a different style and a different brand of footy and they've been a lot better since Scott left. So obviously the players are enjoying the, the, the refresh. Fresh, the yeah. refresh, yeah. Will they be relevant next year? They probably will be if some of these young boys keep playing the same. Actually, Hutchie said last night that he reckons Thomas is going to be an absolute gun and compare him a bit of Bontempelli. And I actually agree with him. He's not Bont- probably Bontempelli type player, but he's going to be a really special player he has, he has some tricks he gets some footy he's a really good kick and they kept alluding to that because he dominated the kicking test at the draft for an 18 year old doing what he's doing coming from Tassie um, obviously an indigenous boy as well he's, he's got some massive tricks a lot of people talked him up before the draft he probably would have gone a lot higher if North hadn't taken he probably would have been top 5 so yeah he's a he's a mere jet and they've got some other talent obviously yeah. so which we're starting to see their biggest problem is going to be replacing the likes of Cunningham, Higgins, Zeebel, Goldstein, Thompson. So I still think they've probably got another drop to go because there's some big mature age bodies that they... So, again, if you were the coach at North or probably more importantly the football director because they won't really have a coach to make those decisions, do you do you get rid of them now? Do you do what Brad did and make the hard decision and get rid of club legends this year, at the end of this year, so that you can essentially drop restock and then go and have and have the upward trend the whole way up I think you need or do you do what St Kilda does get them off in bits and bites and then kind of hover in that mid-tier you got to be careful you, you probably need someone like you know Alistair Clarkson to go right you can have a, you can have next year here but if you're not in our best team you're playing VFL so you can leave and, and we can leave on good terms and everything or and you can go find something better for you and we might get a late pick which gives some draft points to maybe get another academy player or something or a father-son that might be coming up. Um, because you don't want to do what Melbourne did to a few of their... Yeah. At that start of that point where they got, you know, Bruce and, and Green and um, Maloney and stuff like that, and at McDonald, where it left a sour taste in the playing group's mouth. And it kind of ruined the culture at the club. So you just got to be careful. I reckon you got to be really careful with how you get rid of the mature age players. And even when St Kilda got rid of like Nicky Dell and, and Goddard, I reckon it left a bit of a... 
I see how it tastes some of the boys they weren't too happy about it and Luke Ball was another one like mm. it could kind of have a, an opposite effect so you just got to be careful I reckon and it shows look, players are playing a lot older at the moment and absolutely playing good football at Monday and stuff like that so but I just you just still got to find that balance especially if they're going to rebuild and aim for 2023 or 2024 to be the year and I think they need to go back to the draft and make sure they still bring in some more youthful talent yeah, if one thing's for sure, though, they won't be shipped off to uh, North Hobart anytime soon. So uh, you got me there, North fans. A big talking point has been this club. They're eighth currently. They're seven wins, six losses, a percentage of 92, which is about the same as their injury list. It's the Richmond Football Club. Uh, they are tracking for the unders. Their break-even was a whopping 15 and a half after a pretty successful year last year. Uh, I took the overs because... Well, we both took the overs because we were very... We were, we had basically said at the pre-season state that Richmond were going to win the flag this year. Uh, the ball took the unders because obviously he can predict injuries somehow <laughs> using maths. Are uh, the Tigers' premiership hopes dashed? And if they are dashed, is this a failed season for Richmond? No, because you, you finally got some injuries. You've, had, you've been kissing the dick for the last three years with injuries you haven't had any and you finally copped them but you copped them all at once and now yeah. you know what it feels like to be Collingwood all the time um, I, I'm a bit worried about the way you're falling away in games and mm. obviously you had 11 I think it was 11 players with less than 50 games experience yep. in the weekend and you've been pumped a bit this year Like so usually Richmond don't get thumped now that is that is a fallacy though because in the year that in our premiership year, we got done by St Kilda. Yeah. We also got done by the Doggies by 50 points. Like, Richmond's style of football, when it is basically all insane manic pressure, if you don't win those critical contests, if you lose more critical contests than you win playing that game style, you get scored heavily against. But when's the last time it happened three or four games in a row? The year they won the premiership. What, you you lost three or well, four? Well, not, not three in a row. They, they, won, they lost them in, in a short period of time. Well, at the moment, you've lost three in a row really yeah. badly. And you, with inner kick, and you look like you're going to win the game with 10 minutes to go against Adelaide, and you've got absolutely thumped for the next yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah. And there's no... Surely there's a, a, a point where Harvick goes, all right, let's do this to stop the, the scoring. Because against Geelong, it just kept happening. But you don't have... But yeah, when you're missing 17-odd players from your best 22 or something ridiculous... Yeah, oh, that's an exaggerated number. I'm just saying, you don't have the Swiss Army knife to go, Oi, old mate come here and plug that hole. If a team like Gold Coast and North Melbourne can go, all right, we need to be Dow for a bit, yeah, but why can't Richmond but do I that? think because there's, there's an unwillingness to go, because they're not being Dow for a bit, they're being Dow for the whole game. They're entering this game being, let's restrict their scoring and then we'll score if we can. Richmond's going in there to try and win the game. It's a different mentality and I think the danger is when you go and try to win, you obviously leave yourself exposed, especially if you're going in there with a different, with a, with a, with a weakened squad. Yeah, I just... And I don't think they have those youngsters, and this is now, now I'm just hypothesizing, but I don't think those youngsters would have the self belief that the other players would, that if they get scored against one or two in a row, that they go and go, oh, this, this is all right, we'll get that back. Then you start, then that's when you start getting under the pump, not only physically, but also perceived pressure of, oh no, I can't make a mistake now, I can't make a mistake now. Because some of the mistakes they are making is, are uncharacteristic as well. What about your senior players? So, like, Dusty's Dusty, we know that, but he's. He- Couple of his kicks, you know, taking a bit more, a bit more risk, mm. I reckon, on the weekend, and he did it again against Geelong, and again the week before against North, and then you got, you know, Pressy is firing plenty of the footy, but he can't kick. Mm. How many you set shots or shots on goal you have on the weekend from 35-40 out the butcher or didn't make the distance? Uh, so I think 
Yeah, yeah. Maybe getting rid of those depth. Like we've seen Conker do such a good job at the moment at Fremantle. Maybe he should have probably started on the list. Oh, if they had their time again, I'm sure they wouldn't have had such a heavy cull. And and if you had if you had if you could have a crystal ball and you go, oh, we're going to lose Rewalt like yeah. five weeks into the year, they wouldn't have got Lynch. Yeah. Because they know that without Rewalt, Lynch is exposed because he's coming off a, he's coming off a season where he didn't play that much footy. His workload's not there. He's totally new to the system. He's meant to be the number two. Now he's the only option. Well, to be fair, I, I reckon that's sort of got Lynch more you, but I, reckon, I gave him a bit of a bait last week. Yeah. Saying that he's not 100% right. Maybe he should just sit out for a bit or not play the rest of this year and have a full pre-season make sure you're 100% the next yeah. year. But then he played. He actually played really well, I thought, on... Oh, yeah, yeah. And that, that's no deal at Lynch. It's more like everyone's expecting... Everyone was expecting Lynch to just come in and be... Like, like in basketball, it's like we picked up KD and now he's going to just win us, win us the flag. And that's it's it's different because once, once you have 22 moving parts, his influence is only 1 22nd of, of, of the competition. Yeah. So, yeah, him coming in and us just putting the cream on the cream on the cake and saying, yep, flag favourites, here we go, is a bit far-fetched, especially when everything doesn't go your way. When nothing goes your way, then the influence he's going to have is minimal. Well, I think... The criticism he's been copying is because there's two or three games where he barely can move and doesn't do anything. Yeah. And there's one game where he shows, like, hang on a minute, he's got athleticism, he can take them big hanger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's moving much more freely. So what's the difference between... It's obviously soreness or whatever that's going yeah. on, but that's the, probably the, the thing that people being being critical of him. Mm. Not the It fact- looks like he's picking and choosing, but I'm sure if we actually had the insight and the medical report and the workloads, yeah, yeah. It's, there'd it's, be a legitimate reason. Yeah, correct. And that's what I was saying. Maybe yeah. we should just... Back off. Back and off say, and let, let him yeah. go for it. Let's say, look... The same thing happened with Jesse Hogan in his last, his last bit of Melbourne. Everyone was on his back. And then he had da- oh, yeah, and he had testicular footy, cancer. Yeah, and footy like, shoes and, and footy stuff shoes like and all that. of it. And you find that out and he goes to free and he's, he's much better than what he was. And that would be an interesting game to watch getting out of order again. Yeah. So the run home for the Tigers is St Kilda at Marvel, Gold Coast away, Giants at home, Port at home, Collingwood at the G, Melbourne at the G, Hawthorne, uh, Carlton at home, West Coast at home, and Brisbane at home. It's pretty tricky if they keep playing. If they were at full strength, you go, that's that's probably 75% wins, some good games against the top teams. Yeah, you- but now you can't really circle anything no. and go, they can't rock up like they have against... The doggies or the north or whatever, and expect to win any of those games. No, I, you can pencil in probably three or four, but yeah. Gold Coast, Carlton, and maybe Melbourne, but yeah, you, you'd be pushing a couple of those teams like St Kilda, GWS, and Brisbane on the outside, might have you. Mm. Especially you know the way you play, if they can get control of the ball, and then you got West Coast and Collingwood which, and Port, which are pretty similar sort of games where you know they'll probably, especially Collingwood and West Coast, will try and keep the ball off, off you, you and yeah. stop you from playing that. Possess uh, that surge mentality game. So, yeah, I, I think top four is definitely done for you guys. Top eight is should still make the top the finals. And yep. have, and but uh, I reckon any chance of a flag this year is gone. But I if they get everyone back, and it was obviously uh, people people sell hate during the buy rounds. Clubs sell hope, and they've already brought out Rance and said Rance is he wants to be there for finals. I'll would, tell you, you, would you would you play him I'll, off an ACL? With positive mindset, and he's a different cat. He's yeah, a spiritual I know, being. I know, I know. Yeah, so, yeah, good footy vibes. So the surgeon has, the surgeon has said no. Everyone said no except Rance. Everyone said no, but the club is letting him believe because yeah. it's helping him get through his recovery. Yeah, but it won't happen. And I, the other thing is, you get these players back who have missed long, long chunks of football, big chunks of football, 
it's continuity and getting them back moving oh, yeah, through stuff. So don't just think because you get five superstars back that you're all of a sudden you're win every game. It doesn't work like that. It'll take them a few games to get back. They'll be lacking fitness. There's lots of things, other things are taking them oh, absolutely. into consideration. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we're going to make finals. You might win a final, but that's about it for this year for you guys. Which given the, you know, the most overused and overhyped word in football, the adversity that they have suffered, football adversity, yeah. that's, that's a fairly good end of the year and something to build upon for next year. The window's, t- yeah, the window's definitely still open for them to win a premiership in the next couple of years. All right. Big question time, Baz. This team is fourth. Eight wins, five losses, 115.1%. Their break-even for the year was 13 and a half. They are tracking through. Big overs. All three of us took the under. They are the Adelaide Football Club. And we ask this question every week. But do we, on this Wednesday night, think and agree with seemingly everyone else in the football media that Adelaide is a top four side? No. And actually, not everyone agrees because on the couch... A lot of people agree. Uh, Brownie, and I think there's someone else, I can't remember, on one of the other football shows, agreed with me. that they haven't. I think it might have been Duck, and that's scary, because I shouldn't be agreeing with Wayne Carey, but they haven't beaten anyone yet, really. And yeah. when they have, it's been a lot of things going their way. And everyone talks about, oh, they beat GWS. Well, I'm sorry, but I don't think they're the, they're, they're the real deal, and I still don't. Their midfield isn't anything great. There's one pace. They're still at the same sort of game plan. Uh, you know, Tex has been good, yes, but now they lose Jenkins, and you know, Texas is as flaky as anything, so he might perform one week, but then he goes missing for six. He's not very consistent. So the midfield's very one pace. They've got some good runners on the outside with Seedsman and Atkins and Smith and those sorts of Blair and Tom Lynch. Like They can get the ball on the outside, but on the weekend against you guys, they relied heavily on those guys scoring the goals. You know, There's a lot of goals scored that way from... you know. That kick in the 50 it'll hit the ground and feed back and they'll be running into open goal and that's the style of Richmond play but I still not sold them at all and I hope they do make the top four because it'll make an easy victory for Collingwood um, they remind me immensely and I'm about to piss off another uh, club fandom but of Hawthorne last year Yeah. so Hawthorne finished top four last year they had a very easy draw in my opinion and they got found out at finals yeah. and I think this will be the same for Adelaide like if they finish top four, they're not going to win the flag. Well, they'll probably win, uh, probably lose the next two games, or they'll definitely win the next game. Uh, lose to Geelong, sorry. Port Adelaide's a fifty-fifty. They'll probably beat Gold Coast. Essendon's no gimme, uh, depending on obviously depends on Essendon's injury list, which is uh, again taking a hit. They'll beat Carlton. St Kilda's no no gimme. They won't beat West Coast unless I'm hoping West Coast fix their small problem, which we'll talk about in the preview for the rest of the game. I'd hope they wouldn't beat us at home and I'd hope they wouldn't beat Western Brogs at Ballarat, but Western Brogs are a bit flaky as well. So they'd probably win another four games and that probably gets them you know, near the top four, fifth or sixth. But they're not as good as everyone makes out to be and they will get found out come finals time. I've You've sold me on Geelong, I'm, I'm okay with Geelong, but no one's ever going to sell me on Adelaide or Prolade or JWS until I see them do it. Yeah. Until they win a final, win finals, and, and show me they can do it. Well, the Giants have done that. They've made two prelims, but we'll get some in a moment. Yeah. I just don't believe Adelaide are anywhere near it. Yeah. I tend to agree. I still can't. They're, they're still not a team that I look at on the tip sheet for the week and go, yep, I'll circle that one in a permanent marker. I'm very confident on that. So there are two teams that I have that for. I have Geelong every week. Boom, don't care where they're playing, who they're playing. I'm tipping Geelong. Collingwood, unless they're playing one of the big three, 
I'm an automatic permanent marker. The next team is on the cusp, and they almost got me back last week. They're second. Nine wins, four losses, 132.9%. They are the GWS Giants. Their break-even for the year was 12.5. I took them for the over. You and the model took them for the under. They're going to go over. But should they be considered in the same tier as Geelong, Collingwood, and a fully operational West Coast Eagles? No. So... So they just can't prove it until they win a flag? Or, like, what's the deal? Because they, they had a good win in Tassie, and yes. A North aren't, aren't anything. They're not a top-eight side. They lost and to Adelaide They lost starters. to Adelaide for starters. They which, lost to Fremantle. Yeah. Which, obviously, Collingwood's not know, but it's a matter how they lost. Yes. It, they can't play their style of football. They're done. And North Melbourne did it to them for a half. Mm-hmm. Once North Melbourne dropped off a bit, they finally got it back on the outside. They were, Cameron... Now, Cameron and, and Finlayson were nowhere for most of the game. They, when they started getting in the game again, they showed it. But if you can take them out, and the only thing that kept him in the game really was Toby Green up forward. And the fact that Caniglio and Kelly were just amazing. And the first game, they actually came in and showed some grunt. They lose the ball, so it's going to be interesting to see how that... Because he was the one that kind of did the defensive stuff for their midfield, because not all of their midfielders do the defensive stuff. Tarando is probably the only other one. But I reckon Green and, and Whitfield are the two most important players in that club mm-hmm. because Whitfield is the one that takes the kicks on and generally hits them and he's got a bit of X factor. Toby Green's probably one of the best players in the comp if he could get fit. and If he stays fit and doesn't do something stupid and get himself suspended, he's, yeah. he's as good if not better than Dugowie. Yeah, he's a freak. He can go through midfield and get plenty of touches and do the freaky sort of things. He's like a Stevie J, but... On steroids, I reckon. He has that, that little knack of kicking the ball off an instep or whatever to yeah. hit a target. He's just, he's just a really good player. And to, to totally overhype him, he's a Stevie J, Gary Ablett hybrid. He is. He is seriously a very, very good yeah. player. The reason we haven't seen the best of him is because of injuries and he's a bit of a loose unit. Yeah. So if he starts getting that right, then yeah. I think if Caniglio signs and signs soon, that will help him as well. Just get rid of that external pressure. But yeah, I just, I just, I don't think they have the the grunt, and that's they got outgrunted by Adelaide the other week, and they nearly got outgrunted by North. So when it gets hard and tough, and they can't play the outside outside game, you just wonder, well, who's in the door for them? Hmm. They don't have that. Um, they don't have Callum Ward at the moment bashing in the middle. Like, yeah, so that's that's the concern. They they miss they, they miss Ward a lot because he's the, the he's their enforcer that they can go the other way. Yeah, they're gonna miss DeBoer a lot because he's literally the clampdown tagger. So that, that's, that was your three... That were your three Bruce. You had those two, and then you had Mummy. And Mummy will always crack you. That's yeah. just what he does. Well, he was actually pretty good in the... He, he Again, tout, he, he, he is. He he's up, always good. He towed up Goldstein. And he was the reason... JWS smashed... Funny enough, smashed uh, North at clearances. Mm. And somehow, they didn't allow... They didn't... It showed on the scoreboard and the fact that they scored a lot from stoppages. But it didn't actually show on the scoreboard from... The them, rest of it, the, yeah. the re- them winning until about you know midway through the third quarter. And that's because you know North Melbourne set up really well behind in defence. And to be fair, GWS had spare players back and North had spare players back. It was just a game of kick to kick and congestion. So, but I just I'm just not sold. I'm not told you why last week. I think yeah. the until they, they prove themselves against the top of, of the top, so they go and beat West Coast. They go go and beat Collingwood. They go and beat Geelong. I know they've already beaten Geelong, but they got fogged by West Coast. Yeah. 
They haven't played us yet, which would be an interesting game because it's always a close game. So this is us. their run home, and this is going to be very interesting for the likes of, of Collingwood and, and West Coast in particular, I think, and Adelaide, if they everyone thinks Adelaide's a top-four side. Essendon away, you'd think they'd beat Essendon. Yep. Brisbane at home, you'd think they'd beat Brisbane at Giant Stadium. Richmond at the G is a 50-50. Collingwood at home is a 50-50 and probably a prelim preview. Poor Adelaide away, they would probably beat. Sydney at home, you'd think they'd beat. Hawthorne at home... Definitely right, big big circle. Western Bulldogs at home, big circle, and Gold Coast to finish the year. So they've got one, two, three, four, five, six out of nine pretty much guaranteed wins, yep. which is definitely a top four spot. They're an 82% chance of making the top four. If they make the top two and get two home finals, they're, they're making the game. We say that now, but we've also seen GWS lose to those sorts of teams on a regular basis. Yeah, on a regular enough basis, yeah. yeah. So you can't, and that's, that's what I'm saying. You, you we can't, can't we them. can't trust them yet. But if they start, if they go after the bye and beat Essendon, Brisbane convincingly, if they beat Essendon, Brisbane, and Richmond convincingly off the bye, put it together, and then it's a decent game against you guys, then I'm putting them up into that tier. But they've got to give me, they've got to get a proper four mine. Yep. We're not going to back them up one, you know, one win first up after a rest, and then have two unplaced, and then another win. You're not going to back that horse any time, are you? No. Hopefully not if you're a smart Smart guy. Previews for round 14. Back to our normal categories as well. Upset alerts. 50-50 picks and sure things. And a couple of interesting games this week. Upset alerts start on Friday at 7.50. Sydney are $1.50 favourites. It's against Hawthorne. Clarko's men, $2.50 outsiders at the SCG. The line here is two goals. The over-under, a very dour, one fifty two. What happened to you? Don't tip against Clarko, mate. Well, then uh, old pinchy gate happened. And I, as you, as you were rattled about uh, Stefferson's betting scandal, I'm a little bit rattled about what's going on there. Because they put a lot of people up in front of the media this week. And every time they did that, everyone got a whack. Clarko got a whack for his performance on 360 for defending Pinchgate. Now, let's be real. We've mentioned Pinchgate, so I'm going to have my little piece here. It's ridiculous. Totally blown out of proportion. Like, why was Pinchgate the headline and not him trying to break someone's foot with yeah. by stomping on it? Yeah. Like, hit blokes off the ball all season. We go, oh, that's just a fine. And then someone pinches someone and it's suddenly it's like sandpaper gate. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But whatever. But then... That was the talk. So now Stratton's in the gun, the leadership's in the gun. Isaac Smith goes out there and goes, we like playing on the edge. He gets whacked as well. So it goes two ways. Now, you've got Clarko, who is the ultimate puppet, puppet master. So that probably means that Hawthorne win by 40 points and I should tip my house savings into this. Well, the, for me, the, not, it wasn't so much Clarko and, and Smithy and even um, Stratton. Stratton coming out and speaking. My biggest worry oh, was, was... I don't want to talk about him because he's a goose. Yeah, but he does that whenever... So we've spoken this best before with Clarko. He, he he talks about backroom, AFL at, at, at Hawthorne. Security, everything, yeah. Everything being right. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth's comments would not have gone down well at Hawthorne. They didn't go down well anywhere. Mm. But he also gave Stratton another whack and then said he hasn't spoken to football department, blah, blah, blah. And like, he, was, he made all these mixed messages from his next three interviews that he gave in the space of 12 hours. And I reckon that has more of an impact than what mm. Clark on that said. And look, I think also the fact that they're, they're in a, obviously a rebuild sort of stage, they're trying to figure out where they're at. And, you know, Smith is on the market, open on the market. You know, Clarko's pretty much had a chat with, well, 
Yeah. They know, he knows, he, they all know. Yeah. So how does that play on some players? Uh, does Ruffhead come back? You know, I think they got the they got the team wrong last week when they played. They had Segler deep and they played McAvoy deep and they even tried Sisley up forward. Get Ruffy back in if he's good enough or play Mitchell. Like, just sort it out. Um, but yeah, if Sydney play the way they did against West Coast, Hawthorne in trouble because like against West Coast, it came into the West Coast four line, hit the deck and it was on its way out before you knew about it. And at the moment, you look at Hawthorne's uh, players, you can take a mark inside 50 and there's not a lot there. So it's going to come in and hit the deck again. Hmm. Or it's going to be a real uncontested sort of game where Hawthorne try and possess, 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 slow kicking that sort of style they used to play a, a lot of and still sort of do to some extent. And then Sydney are going to try and make it a contested game, but they're going to try and move the ball really quickly. quickly yeah. Because that's what upsets Hawthorne the most is, is speed on the outside at the moment. And they're going to get a few back, uh, Sydney. They get Kennedy, Jones, Haywood and Jack. Are all going to be available? They're going to have a pretty good team on the park. And you think with Buddy as well, that uh, and who's going to play on Buddy? Is, like, that's, their defence isn't great either, Hawthorne. I think, that, yeah, Sydney should get this done and keep, keep on rolling on. Yeah, and so number one here is the, like Hawthorne will get smashed in the clearances. They've lost the clearance counts by seven. They were ranked last in clearances. They lost the contested possession count by 10. They're ranked 16th in that. That's Sydney's game. They're playing in Sydney. It forces them to be a congested style of game. This should all point towards the Swans. And yeah, another one that the bookmakers have got right. Saturday, 1.45, our second upset alert is closest to my sure thing for the week. I did not understand how the bookies have got this wrong. Egg will probably be on my face come Saturday afternoon. But Melbourne are hosting Fremantle. Melbourne are $1.72 favourites against Frio. $2.10 at the MCG. The line here is 4.5. The over-under 161. And obviously the only thing that they're taking into consideration here is that it's playing at the MCG and apparently doctors can't travel. Is that it? Well, they actually have a good record at the G. They've beaten Collingwood. They've beaten Richmond a lot. All that stuff. So how, how, what has Melbourne done to deserve to be favourites in any game this year? That's not against Carlton or Gold Coast. I I really don't know. And the only thing I can think of is why Fremantle are not folks is because they don't have the trust of the punters yet. Hmm. So we saw, you know, they've beaten GWS, they've beaten Collingwood. They've also lost to Adelaide in a game where it was only 50 to 31. Yeah. They've lost to Richmond where they had injury depleted side. Um, There was another game there they lost to a pretty average uh, Essendon, 60 to 53. They're all better sides than Melbourne, though. What the teams have played against? Yeah, oh, I beg the, I, I, I doubt that, or maybe Richmond I'd give you, but the other two I probably wouldn't. Aren't, aren't better sides than Melbourne? Essendon aren't better side than Melbourne. This year? Yeah, no way. If Essendon and Melbourne play tomorrow, it'd be one of the most ordinary games you'd watch, and it'd be very, very close. It'd be a draw, yeah. It, but so I think that's why people are a bit worried. I think people also have some faith in Melbourne for some reason. They started getting the, you know, the ball inside fifty, but they still have no one to kick to. And this is this is Jesse Hogan is an interesting one. Jesse Hogan's gonna have a big old game, I reckon. You reckon? I reckon he might go the other way. You reckon? Yeah. Well, they've got a lot of good defenders. They got they got Lever and May, and they've got probably one of the better defenders in the comp, an all Australian key defender, mm-hmm. and uh, Tom McDonald playing forward. Playing the wrong end though. He can't get a kick. Yeah. Um, I think the, the big keys is going to be Walters and the Hills mm-hmm. on the outside because that's something that Melbourne have struggled to deal with all year. We saw it with Hoskin Elliott on 
the MCG out at Queen's birthday, those blokes had so much space because they get out the back and just run and they would have no one no one to go with. It's just like Fremantle could almost set up, let, let them beat them on the inside, let them kick it forward and I'll butcher it. And then just springboard the other way, well, which is what every other team does. And very funny you say that, Baz, because uh, they are ranked second for defensive intercepts this season. They've averaged fifty-one a game. And they and they now, they just they play they play this tr- like a very simple sag defense, kick it down our throats, running down the other way, and then look at look at Melbourne's numbers the other way. So they average fifty-eight inside fifties. Melbourne they score from eighteen percent of them. SAG defense will work stupendously well against these guys. They are ranked 16th in the league for possession time. They only get the ball 39% of the time. They will gift you possession. They'll win it in the middle. They turn it over. They never get it back. Then, when you do get a shot against them, they average 52% goal accuracy against them, which is the highest percentage at any side. Melbourne give you the most football. They give you the best looks. They apply no pressure. They can't turn the ball of themselves. And if they do go inside 50, they don't score against you. Melbourne is arguably the worst team in the AFL. They will not win this game. The only other thing I thought of that I saw, and we're at the Yorkshire <laughs> talking the other night, and uh, while we're watching the game, there's a few head rubbers and a bit of lippiness going on, a bit of arrogance. Yes. And then, you know, that persona flowed on with uh, Ross Lyon after the game telling... We're the best last quarter in the team. team the comp. Yeah, there's a bit of arrogance there, so it can be perceived in two ways. Maybe punters are seen as a bit of over arrogance, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think they should beat Melbourne. I still have actually decided I want to see the teams tomorrow before I do my tip, but they should really beat Melbourne. It would be a it would be a a big loss if they lost to Melbourne. Yeah, absolutely, an un, an unforgivable loss. And one that would see them slide down the tears of confidence. On to our 50-50 picks. They start at Saturday, 4.35. St. Kilda are $2.15. Outsiders, Brisbane, $1.68. They're playing at Marvel Stadium. The line here, 5.5. The over-under, 1.67. And I have pretty much sold all confidence stocks in Brisbane. Sold? I don't... You can't confidently tip them. Like, they are the more talented team. They're the better team. You can confidently tip them in Brisbane. Yeah, but not here. No. Not away from home. Uh, Hanbury and no Hanbury's definitely back mm-hmm. this game uh, Carlos probably a week away may he could still play uh, I <sighs> I'm still tipping Brisbane in this one because I just it, like they're the better team I watched St Kilda play last week but St Kilda will crack in I watched St Kilda play last week and it was horrible don't cancel your dinner dates to watch St Kilda no but so that's what I'm saying Brisbane should really win him, but my we, my worrying factor is that Brisbane were tired Hmm. So Fagan said they were tired. John Brown said they were tired. A few of the players said they were tired. They were really looking forward to the bye. Yes. So what's to say they they're not going to come out of that bye sluggish? Sluggish. Lockie Neal and uh, Cameron are the two barometers of this team. When they're up and about and going well, Brisbane are going well. Lockie Neal probably doesn't have. Probably no one. I don't know. If they'd probably send Jack Steele to him to try and tie, lock him down, but he's probably too quick and too fleet of foot for steel but if he gets going and I, I, I don't really think they have a match up for Cameron no if he gets going which he could because they don't really have a match up for him and I reckon the four line of, of hip would uh, probably a bit too quick and, and agile for some of the backs that St Kilda have like a brown then they should really get on top and, and really flog St Kilda mm. and it could be Richardson's last game wow 
I did not see that coming. Well, so Gold, we, Gold Coast have, have been the... You just beat Gold Coast mm. last week. And I, I have this feeling that St Kilda, they're happy with what's going on with Richo, he's doing a good job and stuff. But I have this feeling they won't extend him because they don't want to get to next year with a full list. They've obviously got issues and excuses this year. But imagine they get their full team back and everything's hunky-dory for round one or two next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They lose the first three games of the year. So what's going to happen? There's going to be pressure on. Yeah. They might lose Rutten because other clubs, are, obviously there's going to be a few more clubs looking for coaches at the end of the year. Rutten might be approached. They could lose that man who they've kind of eyed off to take over Richardson. So for me, I think if they have a couple of losses or even at the end of the year, they're just going to go, look, you've had four years. It's been great. But we're going to take the easy option here. We're just going to put Rats in charge. Because then it'll give them a bit of leeway if they do start poorly next year. Rutten's got that bit of leeway because he's a new coach. He's just getting to know the team. He's sorting it out. Yeah. Where if it was Richardson, a heap of media pressure all of a sudden starts and they've got to sack a coach midway through the year and they might lose Rutten to another club. So that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's my gut feel on the whole thing. Gut feel, hey? Gut feel, yep. Yeah, there you go. Sounds like inside sources. But anyway. Nah, gut feel, mate. Going back to uh, the tip then. I'm tipping Brisbane. All and right. I reckon it's going to be... I'm, I'm confidently tipping Brisbane at the line of five and a half. If they don't cover that line, then they're in big trouble of missing the finals. And, yeah, then you just pretty much cross them out for any away games for the rest of the year. Convince me on Brisbane. I'm happy to go Brisbane as well. I reckon the over 165 if Brisbane wins is almost a definite as well because there's not too many games that Brisbane win and they don't take the game total to the overs as well. Another 50-50 is for one reason and one reason only. Saturday, 7.40, Port Adelaide, $2.80 outsiders. Geelong, $1.42 favourites. We're at Adelaide Oval. It's 14 and a half line. And since 2014, Geelong have lost seven of their eight games coming off the bye. Now, now this has been addressed by Scott. He brought it up after the Richmond game. We're heading into yep. a bye, boys. Yep. I don't know what he said. Like, don't do, don't rest too much. Who knows? But he just said, this is what's happened. And then he got, well, he even asked the question, apparently. He said, like, do you know what happens after we have a break? And half of them didn't know what was going on because half of them haven't ever played a John before. Yep. So he's like, you know what? This shouldn't be an issue. But also, it's a seven-year period. So that excuse doesn't quite wash with me because I think the system's set in place. He's still been head coach that period of time. Your core players remain the same. One of them coming back in that period of time. So... It's more structural, I think, than it is personnel, and the personnel get pulled into line. So however you work your strength and conditioning, however you work your mentality, whatever you do, clearly doesn't get you up for the, for the first game after a break, which is probably concerning and probably plays into why they lose finals as well, but that's a different story. Do you trust Geelong to win against a team that they should away after the bye? My, my other thinking is they've been pumped up you know, for the last two weeks. They've been the best team. They tick all the boxes for the premiership uh, categories. Best team since the 2007 to long side. They've been talked up a lot in the last two weeks. Yes. Port coming off a pretty tough game in Perth. uh, Have some issues of their own. I wonder if the Charlie Dixon will come back. He had one game and did pretty well in the sample. He he might be back. Uh, I don't know who else they might get back because obviously it's a Wednesday night and we don't know anything about teams yet. But... Geelong should be winning and they got a good record I'm pretty sure Adelaide Oval mm-hmm. top me yep. head but I might be leaning towards Port here and I don't know why I really don't it's just that gut mate it's, it's just that, that, that gut. famous gut that has a six point lead in the tipping contest so far so they're, they're coming off a bye which we know their record at and they're also 
had you know two weeks of the media talking them up, and I just feel like they're, they're due a loss to use a cliche. Due, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know. I think they've got a pretty good run as well the last few weeks. So I mean, they've got Adelaide at home and stuff like that, which I'll definitely beat. But yeah, I, I just really think that um, Port might win this, and I, again, I've got no idea how because you look at the teams and they and they should be winning. But and Lysett and Ryder have come under a bit of under the pump a bit this week in the media as well, so they're going to want to have bigger games because now they're starting to question whether they can both play in the same side together. And I was just thinking, like both of them, are pretty crafty forwards. They've missed out. They don't really have a big key mm-hmm. target to help out down there. Westhoff's had to go down there to, to be that role. Surely they can play both of them, one rucking and one in the forward forward, and just have one of them sit off, sit off the back of this like sit a kick behind play when it's inside their forward half and Lysett does the ruck work and that allows West off to do what he usually does run around picking off intercept marking and stuff like that but obviously they've got other structures they want to stick to um, what would I know I'm just not a 19 coach I'm going to along and cover alright right, on to our sure things Thursday 8-10 tomorrow night West Coast are $1.33 favourites against Essendon $3.15 outsiders up to stadium the line here is three goals the over under 160 now I reckon the buy was just what West Coast needed, and I think some teams obviously sluggish after the buy. Other teams come out with a big bang. This team, West Coast, are obviously going to have eyes on the prize, trying to win back-to-back flags. They need a statement game, and I think Essendon, a team that only runs one way, plays one way. If this game could be done very early on, I reckon. Well, Shannon Hearns back, Elliot Yo, Chris Maston, Oscar Allen, Jackson Nelson. Don't know much about, but Jared Cameron. I spoke about briefly the other week when he was named uh, in the extended on the extended bench. He's come, he's definitely playing this week because really Willie Rioli's out suspended. He's going to apply that forward pressure for him, and he's a clone of his brother. He's a excitement machine. I'm really looking forward to watching him play tomorrow night. So Oscar Allen's back to chop out in a ruck because uh, Vardy's suspended, and so Hickey will be the ruck, main ruckman. Allen chop out. Hearn's back to shot the defence. Elliot Yo helps their midfield. So is Marston. And obviously Cameron plays that four role. I really don't know enough about Jackson Nelson, to be honest. Um, Mitch Brown comes in for Jake Stringer. My only thought with this was Sydney beat West Coast last time when they played the other week Mm -hmm. because they brought the ball to ground and we know how bad West Coast are at ground ball gets. Loose ground ball gets, especially in their forward 50 and over the ground. And so Sydney capitalised on that and were able to run the other way and open them right up. Yeah. One thing Essendon have is quality small backs with Saad and McGrath and those sorts of boys. Yeah. They're good at getting ground ball. Mm-hmm. Hurley is probably one of the best defenders in the comp. Yep. They've been the least scored against teams since around four Essendon. Mm-hmm. It's almost a perfect matchup that if West Coast don't hit their forwards and the ball does come to ground... It's almost identical to what happened with Sydney that Essendon can go the other way and score. Now, the problem with that is Essendon probably don't have the forward line to kick the goals because there's no Reed, there's no Buddy, there's no Papley. They're, you know, they're relying on Fantasia, or Fantasia, sorry, and no Jake Stringer. So they're relying on, on Brown and McKernan. There's probably not that class forward line there. So that's nope. where the intercept marking of West Coast will come and play. Mm-hmm. I reckon it'll be to and froing a bit early and in the end, West Coast class get them over the line. 
but I don't see this as being a big blowout or a massive uh, one-sided game so much, especially for the first half anyway. Yeah, so some of the, the traits that Essendon possess really play into West Coast strength. So where the Bombers average 7.6 disposals per turnover, the worst uh, in their defensive half of anyone in the AFL, and West Coast just feed off turnovers. Not only that, because they turn the ball over so much, West Coast receive a pressure factor lower than anyone else in the competition. So it's very hard to pressure them. So they're going to give possession back to West Coast. Edson aren't a great frontal pressure team. No. They don't work that hard off the ball. So you're going to give them possession. You're not going to get it back off them. They're super, super efficient inside 50 West Coast. So West Coast will have to play poorly for Edson to beat them. Well, that's probably weird. And I think playing at home with those ends, getting a Shannon Hearn back, getting an intercept run off the back. And as much as you say that they defensively they're great, they're still not great defensive outletters. So they've considered 31 points per game from defensive half turnovers this season, Essendon. That's third worst in the competition. Those are the things you can't do against properly good sides. And with those ins, West Coast are a properly good side. Well, probably the only thing that they, they don't do, obviously, but they yeah. don't do what Sydney did was they have that pressure and that crack in. Yeah. And that inside mid as well. Like they don't get, they don't win a lot of contested inside ball. No. They're a very good outside team. So. Yeah, maybe um, I was just, I was just thinking about it like yeah, yeah, yeah. the ball's gonna hit the ground a bit, and that's where Essendon might have their chances, mm. especially Armand Saad and McGrath, and and you know Hurley is probably one of the best. Def- he doesn't get enough kudos, I reckon Hurley, because probably because he plays in a shit side. But um, yeah, it might be close for half, but I think West Coast would definitely win. But I wouldn't be surprised if you did see Essendon stick with them for a bit longer than what people are thinking anyway. Yeah, it could be very close to the Anzac Day game, where just they stick close to them what everyone thinks, but they're not good enough to get the win. All right, on to our last one. 3.20 on a Sunday, Western Bulldogs are $3.22 outsiders against Collingwood, who are $1.30 favourites. They're playing at Marvel Stadium. The line here is 22.5, the over-under 171. Now, what is your nerves like after this bombshell that just dropped on you not this good, afternoon not good and I'm going to the game uh, and it's not good I'm not, not happy about it I'm a bit nervous especially after we played the way we played last time against them yep uh, it was very dour sort of game both of us trying to play possession style anti-attacking football we're off a bye uh, I don't know what our record's like off a bye doggies were pretty ordinary I reckon they were pretty ordinary last week they were uh, I know they won and it's got 100 points, but Carl's got 100 points as well. Mm. The second time this year that it's happened to them. Um, I reckon if you can take out Bont and, and limit his influence, mm-hmm. you go a long way to beating the Doggies. Now, Collingwood doesn't usually tag anyone. We do have Greenwood who does play. He's playing a role across half-back at the moment because we've got some injuries. I wouldn't mind seeing... And just rolled onto the Bond occasionally. Just through the midfield. And then when Bond goes forward, then we've got enough defenders to look after him. And I think what we saw last time we played him as well is if we if we can... I would hope we might pick Reed Because our tall forwards, when we, in the end of the game, like Cox, worried uh, the doggies because they have no key defenders. Yeah. We saw it again last week that like Charlie Kerno just tore apart because they had no one to play on him. Mm. Their best defenders playing forward trying to kick him goals. And he... Hasn't kicked many lately, so on, on field you say we win, but our midfield's been getting smashed, and their midfield on the outside's a lot, which is very, very good. Um, Dunkley's playing well. They miss Libba, obviously. 
uh, obviously Josh Thomas will get the role on uh, Johannesson to try and stop his run and dash. Um, I'd hope we'd win. I really would. But I wouldn't be surprised if we just chucked in a stinker. That's just you being a pessimist. I reckon you guys are already the best first quarter team in the competition. Bucks is the puppet master and the the soft, hard parenting god of the football world. He will manage this to an absolute T. He's got till Sunday to work it out and smooth it all over. I reckon you guys come out, win the first quarter, and win the game head to head. That gives you the value of two dollars ten. And you guys are a top two side. You're arguably a when you play your best footy, you are arguably the best side in the competition. And I think you'll come in, you'll prove a point, you'll do a number on the doggies, and uh, you'll you'll prove to a bloke that's disappointed his teammates that he is the one that's missing out, not the club, at the end of this year. Hope so. Double your money and make a stack. I'm on to the next one. On to the next Time again, money making time. Our feature bets for round 14, and let's get our best bets out of the way. Mine, I'm just taking the obvious one. I think they made a mistake. I said that the Saturday game, afternoon game at the G, free to win head to head, $2.10. When you can get that value head to head for a mismatch, always gonna take it. What are your best bets, Baz? Our best bet is Brisbane at the line, five and a half. And I think both of us have gone all in on two teams that are. We're weighing in on whether we can trust them. I think after this week, if they let us down, they're going to be in the Melbourne pile. Yeah, they're like third dates. Yes. We're at that third date, and there's still like, like that little question in the back of your head being like, oh, is this actually going to work out? This is when we find out. Right. This is when we find out. All right, what my value bet uh, for the week is also Frio, so I'm tipping all in here. It's going to be a very messy breakup if it doesn't come off. Uh, Fremantle to win head-to-head plus the under 161.5. So the match points is paying $4.00. Melbourne has struggled to score points all year and they struggle to score points against good teams. I think Fremantle's a good team. And so even if Freo kicks 100, I don't see Melbourne scoring any more than 60. They're in that GWS Carlton bracket at the moment where they score in that, in that range. 60 or 71. Yeah. And if Freo don't break the 100 point, then this will be way unders in my opinion. What are your values and roughies? I'm breaking out now. I'm into my scoring ranges. So I've gone both Sydney and Freo Mantle to score... Between 76 and 90 match points. Mm-hmm. So they're both paying $3.30. So it's around $12 if you multi them. I think that's that's their scoring range. So Sydney and Freo don't score too heavily. They score you know between 76 and 90 roughly if you look at their average scores. And when they win, their teams generally they're playing so will score between 50 and 65, 66. So I reckon that's where we're going to be at. And then if you want to take both those the opposition, so Melbourne... I reckon again, if you look at 60 to 75, or 72, sorry, and Hawthorne, I reckon good value under 60. So that's what I'll be looking at this weekend. They're the two probably games you can almost trust a bit more, uh, especially the Sydney Hawthorne, I reckon. That's my, I'm more confident with that. Yep. The Fremantle one, I'm still, as we talked about, yep. with, uh, with Fremantle, we're still on that third date, so. Fingers crossed it goes well. And the best place to take someone on a third date is, of course, the Yorkshire Yorkshire Hotel. Hotel. So if you have any other picks, any other trend lines, any other tiers or gradings you want to pass on, some handicapping advice, hit us up on Twitter, sc underscore mag underscore oz, or on Facebook, 
as Spotting Chance magazine. And uh, until next week, try and stay dry, try and stay happy, and try and enjoy your food.